welcome to another edition of the Capiche Filmcast. Stephen Barry here, joined with Francis Murphy. Yo, yo, yo. And Gordon Webster. Good evening, Mr. Barry. <laughs> of course, for another small bite-sized episode, film lockdown catch-up. And yeah, it's uh, hoping to just chat about what we've been up to, what we've been watching predominantly over the last week since the last update how are you doing guys gordon let's start with you what's been going on yeah i'm doing good been off work for a week and staying my mom and dad's now for a couple of days well starting tonight um after like a day trip here and there since the restrictions have been eased which is, is nice again just to go back to normal and oh there's just so much to do here i've just i've been chilling but you know getting to go out in the garden and enjoy the sun a bit and it's nice when you know there's a nice the front in the front garden early in the day you can get you get the sun on you then the sun turns round you can go around the back and in the evening and still get the sun it's it's really good and yeah I've I've watched a couple of films I've uh, had a, and I, my first like proper day trip to with the car I bought in January to actually really stretch its legs and get get some proper mileage and give it give it a good a good run down the country roads which was nice as well so but yeah it's been a nice week off for me very good yeah how have you been i been good um was uh mostly i've just been off as well uh off from work and enjoying it chilling not doing much product actually it's been less productive than i'd hoped um i was planning to do more podcast editing i've only done half or even less than half of the die another day one um so hoping to get that done tomorrow possibly um but yeah it's been fine i can't Good stuff. Uh, can I show you film? something quickly oh yes of course i just Let's thought right uh, so live from Dunoon, right um this is my this might interest you guys. Star Wars: The Visual Dictionary. I think ah. I, I remembered my friend had this years ago, and I, I was like fascinated by it, and I'd l- like leaf through it. It was great. Yeah, old Darth in the cover there. It's um, yeah, it goes into quite a lot of detail about <laughs> big big Darth. <laughs> I, know, I love the fact that you even described Darth Vader in a way that you would talk about a drink <laughs> oh, yeah. bloke around the corner. Hey, Darth, get the rounds in. <laughs> <laughs> surely better than, better than Darth Maul but on uh, you Molly boy you mean yeah. like this one The Sopranos the complete book oh there we go they aren't all mine by the way um, in fact I don't know if any of these are mine but they're in the house anyway so well, that, I this is just... what, Gordon, I know what house I'm going to be burgling when society breaks down uh, <laughs> I'll, I, I'll need to keep yeah. the location a secret I'm just saying it's in Dunoon that's all Dunoon's a small place Gordon <laughs> Uh, you you will like this. So here we've got there we've got Polly and and Sil and all, all the uh, all the Polly. guys. I don't know. Oh, it's such a small screen here, but hopefully you can see that. It's basically just the Sopranos encyclopedia, and yeah, I, I could just sit. I've not even read all. I could sit for hours and hours and read that. And of, oh, sort the camera. And of course, uh, hey, the essential Bond, Lee Pfeiffer and David Worrell. Then we've got. Bond, Bond, Bond. Bond, written by Roger Moore, where he talks about all the Bond films. He gives us his thoughts on Bond, and Craig, and all the other guys. It's it's quite interesting. A lot of behind scenes stuff. How does he does he start the book with his disclaimer that he does in the DVDs? 
this uh, this this book is is a is is more of a collection of observations for all the people and the crews of since all the films I made. Aye, <coughs> um, uh, this is an official one. What about this? The James Bond Encyclopedia. Wow, this is yep. That Some is... proper good reading material here. Uh, so all the detail on this, it's like the Sopranos one, but it's even bigger. You know, practically every character, even there was even in the films for a few seconds. Um, each of the cars, each of the planes are amazing, amazing. Brilliant. So you've been kept busy then? Actually, do you know, it's funny because um, there's so much books here. Like this, um, see the, the phone that I'm, I'm doing this on, it's actually balanced on top of about four other books. Like two of them are about World War Two. the others are about World War One. the other's an AA map. And it's basically that's to keep the monitor, the computer, at a certain height. So, oh, it's just everywhere you look here, it's just books and videos and all kinds of crap. <laughs> it's a treasure trove of crap. <laughs> <laughs> well, just just like stuff lying around. I don't mean it's bad. Like, yeah, yeah, I love it. Kind of what I get up to all the time if I'm, you know, if I'm visiting my mum and dad, you know, reading and watching DVDs and stuff. Nice. All right then, Fran, how have you been? What's been going on? I've been fine. Um, oh, yeah, just been having quite a nice time lately uh, with the easing of lockdown, been able to see more people again. And I haven't really uh, had much time to watch things lately. Um, I did spend a little bit of time with my uncle uh, yesterday and we ended up watching a few different bits and pieces. Um, we actually watched, we ended up watching an episode of Buffy that was just on. Um, oh, and now we're talking. What episode was this? It was the episode where um, Angel, like basically Angel has lost his soul and he's turned evil and he's trying to get to Buffy and he's... Yeah, season two, around the 15th episode I think or something like that. Yeah, and like Giles' missus gets killed. Miss Calendar? Oh, okay, that episode is Passion I think. I think it's, is it, is it the one that, is it the one that Angel narrates the episode? Starts no. the episode. Oh, it's the next one then. Well, I don't think I saw the start of it, so I, I, I'm not sure. But it was so interesting watching it because I, I remember watching Buffy. Uh, I I was aware of Buffy. I remember coming around to your Steve and sitting reading the Buffy book, like with all the different creatures. You know, I, I remember Watch that. Escape. Yeah, and I never really watched it until I think it must have been about 2008 or 2009. I I got a, a hold of the whole series and watched it in one big go, and it was one of the best experiences I ever had. I absolutely loved it. And yep. What was interesting about watching the episode last night is I've not watched Buffy for ages. Now, that episode was out around about 1998, and it was just fascinating looking at just how nice everything looked and how friendly, like, everybody like at the high school, like, they were all kind of... I mean, obviously, there was probably, like, folk were arguing with each other or whatever, but, you know, it was just, you know, everybody was walking around clutching their, like, folders and bags. Like, nobody had phones. Everybody was just walking about, you talking to each other, and it was just very 90s, you know. It made me realise how long ago that was. I mean, it's obviously 22 years, but when I watched Buffy the first time round, because I've not watched it again since then, I mean, obviously, that was about 10 years later. So it wasn't, you know, we've got. It didn't seem so old then. It didn't seem like such a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so we watched that. I watched an episode of Rick and, Mor- Rick and Morty as well. I've watched that religiously, um, uh, to the point of like trying to get a hold of it through various means. Just like when it's come out in the states, because uh, it can be quite hard to watch here sometimes on the various streaming services. Um, that's a fantastic program. I love Rick and Morty. Um, and the other one I was watching was One Punch Man, 
which is a, a sort of a, 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 a basically a, a manga that was then turned into an anime series, which is basically about a guy who effectively can destroy anything or anyone, any villain with one punch. And he's getting bored because he he can't find a, a, like a challenge for like someone to fight. He's just bored of the enemies of the season. But what's funny about it is you get these incredibly like elaborate enemies, like genetic mutations that are like the size of skyscrapers, and they're like coming to the city and screaming and shouting and all this kind of thing. And then he just obliterates them. You know what I mean? And he's kind of going off depressed afterwards. He's annoyed about it. What a weird problem to have. Yeah, I mean it's it's it, what's interesting about it i mean when i watched the first episode i was concerned because i thought i wonder if this is going to be boring is it going to just continue like this and in fact i was talking to your brother mark steve about the show and he said he'd only watched episode one because he, he had the same feeling but i pushed on with it and it actually it does it, it's interesting because you get sections where there's one episode where the one punch guy one punch man basically like infiltrates the the, it's almost like a James Bond villain. He infiltrates the 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 layer of this villain who's been creating these genetically modified uh, villain like creatures that he sends out into the world. And One Punch Man gets to the bottom, and he's he's in the room, this combat testing area with this gigantic monstrosity and the scientist villain type guy. And he's got a, an assistant who's wants to be trained by him, so they're all there in the room together. And uh, uh, he actually ends up trying to explain to the the villain the monster and his uh, uh, the student how he actually got this strong like what his training regime was and you end up in this really bizarre scene with all of the enemies listening to the, the guy as he's explaining and then because it turns out that one punch man basically had just just done a hundred sit-ups a hundred squats and a hundred push-ups and ran 10 kilometers a day for three years and that was how he got that strong and the, the villain's like you can't be serious that's not real you know and even his student is like i can't believe i followed you just to be told this this joke this can't be real and, and everybody falls out with him you know so it's really quite interesting like it, it plays with it you know bizarre if you were doing all that you couldn't work or or see anyone or anything you just be exercising sleeping all the time but that's basically what he seems to do this guy but he goes he does so much exercise that he goes bald that's one of the story <laughs> points so yeah. all these bald people that correlation see, they just do too much exercise yeah that seems to be what the japanese writer of this thought you know you exercise enough your hair will fall out but i guess i'm just gonna sit at home and eat loads of chocolate cake then well, it must. Do you know what? It must be something to do with the fact that um, baldness is actually a sign of high testosterone. I was going to say something to do with testosterone. Yeah. yeah. So well. maybe, you know. I mean, I'm starting to lose my hair, so I mean, obviously, I'm a real man. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Two seconds. I'm just going to get my charger because I realised I didn't get the the good charger, and it is going down rapidly. My phone. So yeah, I just wanted to make sure this is alright. The See the microphone and the video symbols, they're supposed to be white, aren't they? That shows they're on. I'm sure if they're not on, then, well, you wouldn't be able to see me or hear me, would you? Yeah, there's there's nothing wrong. It's all fine. Ah, that's cool. Because it's the first time I'm doing it through a phone. So, yeah. Um, Is it a new step into, into uncharted territory there, onto a yeah. phone? Yeah. The problem I was saying to Steve was that my iPhone 8, it doesn't take a normal headphone socket and... <laughs> I wasn't sure what the quality would be like. I thought even if I order the right headphones for my iPhone, I have ones, but I broke them, I think. So if I order new ones, I thought they might not even give us a great quality anyway, so why go to the bother? But Well, the iPhone headphones are great. 
if you order a yeah. new set of those. I mean, I use them for all. I use those for mixing sound um, for songs and, and all sorts of things. Yeah, I, pref- I prefer them because they're, you know, they're quite. A, basically, they're probably one of the most common headphones in use at the moment, so they're a very good yeah. um, choice for mastering sound. But I, I yeah. think they've got exceptional quality, especially the um, the original iPhone yeah. and iPod headphones weren't that great, but the new ones I think are just outstanding. I still yeah. think they're. They're incredible that they give them away free with the phones. I think it's amazing. Yeah, yeah they, they seem to be expensive to buy. See that they um, it must be just part of the the set behind you, Fran. It looks like the way your head's positioned in the middle of that big white thing. It looks it reminds me of the big H logo. Do you know the History Channel? Oh yeah. I keep thinking yeah. it's it's like you're presenting the History Channel or something like that. Yeah, well, I mean, I I am obviously. You know, a very learned man. You know, I can talk yeah. quite quite a bit about history if you want. I mean, not that I want to blow my own trumpet or anything, uh, but I could have been a history teacher. It's you know? not like you at all. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I am a humble guy. It's well known. You could start your own solo project podcast, um, just doing it on your own a history one. You get some good history podcasts. There's like one I like called Versus History. The thing is with that, I think it's mainly designed for sort of senior people at high school that are studying history and like for hires or whatever but it, it, the way it's explained is, is it makes it pretty interesting they they cover really important topics well you, you know I, I will actually i mean i i tend to almost use youtube as a, a way for listening to podcasts because i subscribe to youtube premium and really, I mean, I know that a lot of the videos on there aren't classed as podcasts, but you'll get some channels that are, are say, they will examine uh, criminal cases that took place, and like murders. So the guy, uh, there's a, a channel called That Chapter, where the, uh, the guy's called Mike, and what he does is he discusses a particular murder, and the videos are usually about 15 to 20 minutes long. Mm-hmm. And with YouTube Premium, you can stick that on and just play through them, and it's it's quite nice when you're walking around listening to them i think there's a a a, a big market there for bite-sized content 15 20 minutes long that covers a very specific topic if you wanted to cover true crime and murders the source material is out there there's tons of it all you have to do is pick yeah. a wikipedia page and read it out effectively it's amazing i mean obviously they're never going to be as good as us i mean we we are totally original on this podcast we don't you know, we we don't rely on any planning whatsoever. <laughs> There's your, your your ad for the week, folks. Maybe we should see if we can do a one-off special live podcast. I think you would need an audience for that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, we, we could actually stream it to nobody. We could. It would be quite funny, actually, just to... Or we could get someone... We could find someone to force them, you know, to, to listen. We could get someone and say, you're going to listen to this on Twitch. That's what's going to happen. That sounds a bit illegal. That sounds a bit like a you know adopting abduction. Yeah, I mean abduction, there could be it. some there could be some ramifications there if we did capture someone to force them to be our audience member. Then again, there are some people who write letters of love to serial killers in prison who probably would quite like that. You know, there's, <laughs> there's you... People, you know, there's people who would be in the market for. So we've got a very niche market target audience. Then we're well, we could put we could put an advert on Craigslist and ask them if they you know we could put it up there. We could say, do you like being confined in one room? Uh, do you like being forced to listen to things that you're not interested in? Uh, do you like being uh, deprived of company with whatever? And there are people who would like that. We could probably find someone who'd be very happy. Okay, 
All right then, let's work on that. That reminded me of there's a, there's a film I don't know it's it's probably actually not great. I saw it once probably in the late nineties called Celtic Pride. It's or set well set. I can't, can I say the word Celtic Pride? I think it's about the Boston Celtics, but the is Daniel Stern who played one of the the wet bandits out at home alone. Him and Dan Aykroyd are these basketball fans, massive Boston Celtic fans, and they actually kidnap another player. I don't know if it's to ensure their team wins the season or something like that, but they actually kidnap a player. It just reminded me of that. Has either of you heard of that or seen it? No. Nope. I haven't actually. I've never heard of it. Although I was going to say, I was, I was amazed because obviously uh, you're a Rangers fan. So before you clarified what it was, I was thinking, my God, yeah. you know, that's, you know, it'd be interesting, you know, to be watching something called Celtic Pride. I know. It's, it's completely the opposite. I think I saw the cover and it was maybe up on a poster in, in Blockbuster back in the day. I used to love that. I used to sometimes see the posters. Like, I, I've got an early memory when the Lethal Weapon films are on the the window of Woolworths. I'm pretty sure with with um, Celtic Pride, I saw that up and there. I thought, oh, that's um thingy out of um, Home Alone. And and we all know about Dan Aykroyd. I've always been well into his films. He's done some some great funny roles. Another good one with him and John Candy was The Great Outdoors. That that's one's actually pretty funny. Yeah, I haven't seen a lot of his stuff actually, other than Ghostbusters, really. Um I haven't even seen Blues Brothers. My I love girl Dan Aykroyd. I think he's great. I, I find Dan Aykroyd hilarious sometimes because he, yeah. he has this way of, of almost chewing the scenery sometimes. There's, hey. uh, he's like overly excitable kind of guy, isn't he? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, do you remember that film Evolution with uh, David Duchovny in it? Um, no, it came out. Yeah. It's great. Dan Aykroyd does, does a, a supporting role in that and he plays the governor of Arizona. And it's absolutely hilarious because he's obviously this slightly incompetent, overly excitable governor, you know. And th- th- there's big news, like there's an alien invasion taking place and he's like standing at the table with the generals and the various people and he's just slamming the table and he's like, we got to do something here, man! You know, like this kind of Dan Aykroyd voice. So like he, uh, pretty much he is that character from Ghostbusters. Yeah. Like that. They based, I think they, I don't know if he wrote it or it was written by, oh, what's his name? I can't remember his name Harold now. Harold Ramis. Uh, yeah, it was. I can't. I th- did Harold Ramis write it along with someone else? But um, they were. He was kind of the. He was what the, the the character of him was was essentially the actor. Like he really believes in aliens and all this kind of stuff. Like really, really, um, kind of passionately. It's quite. It's quite fun. He, he does. Um, he genuinely does. I mean, I've watched a lot of videos of Dan Aykroyd talking about his experiences with these things. Yeah. Dan Aykroyd. But then again, thinking about it, right? Just in the last year, we had the U.S. government literally release, I know, confirmed footage of 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 things that can only be alien. No human being or government on Earth could have created anything that was capable of what those things were doing. So maybe Dan Aykroyd and these people are right. But then anyway, you know, twenty twenty could only be topped off the cherry on the top of the cake would be if we had a global pandemic and in the last six months of the year a genuine alien invasion you know <laughs> i mean it would be imagine doing the podcast and you know from a bunker you know as these alien troops are roving the surface you know <laughs> it'd be amazing timing to you know, I mean, it would be incredible and we'd be complaining we'd be like you know it's really pushed back no time to die this invasion you know yeah just when it was ready to come yeah, in yeah. you know a tabloid is actually suggested that No Time to Die is going to get delayed again. I think it will, really, because 
there's a lot of films that were scheduled for this autumn that are getting pushed back and it's just gonna even November I think could be a real missed opportunity with the, the box office it's just yeah. not going to be the same especially considering how bad things are in the US I think there's a lot of films that every day you just hear about a new film that's been pushed back I know it's, sorry uh, to ruin the mood and everything but oh, it's, I know it's pretty depressing as Gordon is terrible I know, we're, we're, we're just talking about the positivity of an alien invasion you have to ruin it with talking about how Bond's getting moved out you know it's just uh, yeah I mean that's I, I the worst thing about this whole thing maybe a bit of a weird guy but I actually find the idea of an alien invasion an alien invasion to be exhilarating exactly I, I, I was just going to say what's so great about an alien invasion I love it. I, th- I think the idea of that would be fantastic. I mean, at least it's an enemy you can fight on, like a virus. I mean, a virus yeah. is boring, you know? You have to sit inside and, like, wash your hands and stuff. But with aliens, we used to be... In fact, aliens would probably be the one thing that would bring us all together. That's what we yeah, need. Yeah, I would think that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it would be really interesting, actually, to see all of the people who currently see differences in each other suddenly realising they're not that different at all. Yeah. And, and being like, what do you trust? Do you trust the transgender guy or the giant tentacle beast that wants to eat you? Do you know what I mean? Like, there's people who have, you know, they would all team up together. You'd have the, the most diverse cast of, like, allies you'd ever seen fighting I on mean, the same side. An alien could be, the word alien, it could be so many different things. I mean, it could be like in a lot of films, like, I don't know, say Blade Runner, where they, they look practically human and they are, they basically all human characteristics but they are an alien or like Terminator for example or even you wouldn't want it or it could be some real aggressive alien it could be like that guy in the the Mos Eisley cantina he doesn't like you you know I don't like you either (laughs) Uh, are they aliens in Blade Runner I thought they were like replicants yeah yeah is that I mean would you say that's kind of I thought they were more that's more like a robot yeah, well, it's, uh, yeah. It's, it's it's a creature created by humanity, but it would uh, technically you could say it's another species, but right. it's not it's not alien as in evolved from another planet or whatever. I mean, this is yeah. you know I tell you this is why I love these free form podcasts that we do during the week because you end up talking about you you couldn't predict at the start of this cast that we'd be discussing. <laughs> Best. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I know. I know. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll um, bring us back from the the alien planet to Earth. Uh... Do you want a dream scenario again? Yes. Yes. I love I'll, it. I only had. To, oh, by the way, wait, to... Gordon. We need to do a. We need to do like a a, a segment theme for Gord, Gordon's dreams. Gordon's dreams, like some sort of little song, I you know. know. Gordon's dreams. Gordon's dreams. I don't yeah. know. We we'll, we'll need to work on it. <laughs> it just depends what I've been eating week by week or or whatever. But I think I've only got one of note. Right, I was in Chelmsford. God knows why I was in Chelmsford. I've never been there. I don't know anything about it. I just know it's a place, right? And I was looking around. I was really interested by this petrol station. And the reason I was really interested in the petrol station was I heard that during the war, Hitler. And it must have been some sort of elite um, Gestapo high command guys were visited this petrol station. I don't know why, but they had some sort this petrol station, some sort of Nazi connection. So I was like looking around it and stuff. And um, I went inside and I went to use the toilet and there was this big queue. And of course, it's because of COVID-19 and there's like social distancing to actually get towards the like the cubicles or whatever, the urinals and and just started talking to some guy in the queue. <laughs> and and then I heard, I started to look into like, the history of this place, and then I heard, actually, during the Second World War, 
Hitler made some sort of under-the-radar trip with these guys in a submarine down the south coast of England, and nobody ever knew about it, apparently. We all know that um, that the, the Nazis planned to invade Britain eventually, but they, they never were able to. Um, but, um, yeah, apparently, according to my, my dream world, that, that actually happened. See, this is incredible, right? Because, you know... I mean, I remember dreams. I have I have dreams. I remember sometimes a wee bit, right? But the detail in this, I mean, the, the you know the you know how how does it come to be so detailed? Where you know, and I'm trying to imagine where it is that your, your mind is putting together. I mean, Chelmsford, a place you've heard of but you've never been to, a petrol station that Hitler travelled to for no reason. <laughs> I mean, what was he doing? Was he stu- studying Britain's petrol industry or something? I mean, you know, was he needing the toilet? You know what? What was it that that drew him there? Oh, you know? uh, beats me! I don't know. It just like Dan Aykroyd says in Ghostbusters, it just popped in there. Yeah, it just popped in there. I don't know. Well, I find them incredible. I mean, I I really do think that if we continue this, you know, if we say we did a hundred of these podcasts and every single one you did dreams, like we could put them in a compilation, yeah, like, yeah. dreams and study them. You know, we could try and we could actually get to the core of. We could probably know you better than you know yourself, Gordon. You you could be my Dr. Melfi. Well, that is a really disturbing thought. <laughs> Didn't Tony not, not, fancy not Dr. Melfi? That Tony has about Dr. Melfi, but um, <laughs> it just it reminds me of that in terms of getting inside my soul and what I'm, I'm all about. I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add this to the end of the podcast, and it's just going to end with you saying Dr. Melfi. I mean, I, I don't know if I'd suit those heels in the... You know those professional, yeah. out, you know, feminine outfits that she wears. I mean, I, I just don't know if I could pull it off. Uh, I will. There we go. That's that's. Uh, I really don't know what to say after that one. I'm speechless again. <laughs> well, nope, basically, nope, Gordon, nope. if I was to describe you in one sentence, Gordon, I would say that you're an unending source of astonishment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you said that about one of the Bond films, I think. Yeah, I love that sentence. It's his go-to sentence. It's a pretty madcap film when you think about it, which makes absolutely no sense for one and a half hours. Yeah. So, yeah. Is, that, is that what you're saying? He's a Gordon is then? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, when you think of the dreams, definitely they're they're on a par with that plot. You know, there's a there's something there's something that reminds me of it. But yeah, I, I do find it fabulously entertaining. I have to say, I enjoy it. I was out walking my rat and I seem to have lost my way. I guess I guess that kind of sums up the way my dreams are. Ah, Jesus, that's actually a line from that film. That's ridiculous. Uh, speaking of films, I suppose we should maybe talk about at some point. Seeing as it's meant to be a, a film cast, I meant to. Sorry, guys. I'll I'll I'll, I'll talk about some films. Uh, a Dreamcast, a Sega Dreamcast. <laughs> God. Oh, Jesus. Who let this guy on, honestly? Uh, <laughs> Jesus. I watched Frozen 2. That's, uh, that's the most modern film, I think, that we've uh, I've seen. You guys seen the first one? Yeah. Mm, mm, might have. Uh, no, it's not really within probably my sort of age group, I don't think, but I think I might have seen... I think it I is. might have. What's the other really... Oh, I'm, th- I'm, not, I'm also thinking of, was it Ice... Ice Planet or something like that. Ice Age, no. I might have seen it, yeah. I've definitely seen Ice Age. Mm. Uh, Frozen is alright. The first one is actually good. Like, it's legitimately a decent film. Amazing songs and all that. 
beautiful film. I mean, yeah, and you can see why kids love it. It's a very obviously it's for kids really, but um the second one's good as well, but it's not quite as good. Like it, it doesn't have the same doesn't have any kind of it's a bit light. Like it doesn't have any villain or anything and it's just all about it's all about I don't know. I suppose it's exploration and things, finding yourself, all these kind of things. But it's okay, it's a beautiful film. The songs are fine. I think maybe they don't they're not as quite as catchy, but if you were to have watched the film a few times maybe they're not as clearly as big a hit because I don't think they made that sort of same impact the same the first one did. The one connection that I did like though, um, the composer Christoph Beck is one of my favourite composers. He is one of the main composers of the majority of the first few seasons of Buffy, which is bringing it back to the Buffy chat earlier. There's this haunting theme that is in Frozen Two that I I heard straight away and was like, "That's in Buffy." And he's just reused it, <laughs> which is pretty Wait, good. Yeah, like it's just this 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 little couple of notes with this this kind of haunting. I don't know how to describe it. Um, but the the main character, uh, Elsa, hears it all the time. And she's trying to find it. It's in this enchanted forest. Right, don't tell me too much because uh, I actually saw the... Uh, I did see the first one because at the time, the girlfriend I was with at the time had two wee kids. Uh, and they were the exact age, basically, that would go and see it. And Emily, was my niece, was a big fan of it as well. So I must have seen that film about a thousand million times. I mean, I honestly could t- could recite the entire first movie. I mean, yeah. I, I got to the point, I mean, I was building the Lego Frozen castles with them kids. Uh, you know I mean, I, you know, I was doing everything. I mean, I, short of wearing the actual dresses, do you know what I mean? But um, Mark was the same with my, or like my niece. Yeah. Not, like, it was the same. Like, I mean, he, it was a phenomenon. Yeah. Like I don't think there's been a film like that in a while. No, truly a phenomenon. Yeah, it must have it's been fascinating. Maybe. Fascinating to see all the kids into the same thing. But that's why I don't want to know too much about the second one because, you know, it might sound crazy, you know, being a thirty-four-year-old man, but um, I wouldn't mind seeing it at some point because I'd seen the, you know, because because I knew, you know, it's just a it's a kids' film, but you you're still curious to know what happens yeah. next. Yeah. I would say it's a fine film. Um, not quite as good, not quite as memorable or as catchy and things, but you're still watching a very beautifully created production um, with some with some decent songs and things like that. So, yeah. You were getting quite poetic there, Steve. That was almost like, you know, describing first love or like whatever, like it's kind of like it's never the same the second time. Yeah, uh, yeah pretty much. But uh, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> You know, some of the, I mean, that's, it sounds like obviously the visually, yeah, these films are incredible now, especially if you, if you view them in HD, you get, and there's 4K HD, you know, just incredible viewing abilities we all have now. The, even I thought, see some of the early Disney stuff, or maybe, maybe not early, but some of the classic things were made in the, the, 40s 50s 60s they were kind of ahead of their time i think if you think of things like the original jungle book and pinocchio the color yeah. the animation i always thought they were really ahead of their time i think yeah i think the jungle book is a gorgeous film like i just think visually it is breathtaking and and yeah pinocchio is as well there's, there's something about that that style i think that it never ages really like uh, that um the artwork um i wonder if the cg ones will because you can tell Toy Story, I think you can tell 
Like, it's an early CG film. It just goes to show, though, that's 1995 or something, 1996. I mean, that was incredible. I mean, the fact that it's aged so well. But, you know, I do wish they would do more proper kind of straight-up animation. Again, you know, because it is ageless. And the thing is, as well, is that uh, I remember there was one that came out, one of the kind of later, non-Disney, but later kind of animated movies was The Prince of Egypt. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was that was astonishing. That was a that was a work of art. That film. Oh, okay. So what else you watch? Highly Steve? recommend it. Uh, what else so what you watch? John Claude Van Damme, Steven Seagal. No, uh, although I was close to watching Kickboxer because that's on I think Netflix or Amazon, but I did end up watching. So I've watched four films, and that's Frozen Two was the first. Second one is one I mentioned. Uh, I think I was going to watch last week when we were talking to Scott. Jurassic Park. Uh, one of my all-time favourite films, and that viewing still kept that up. It was just, ah, oh, love it. Just a fine, amazing production. My only main issue I have with that film is the bloody ending, uh, where the T-Rex, which has been established for having, whenever that's around, you can hear it from miles. Like, it, the water ripples and all this kind of stuff. They build to the big, amazing entrance in the, um, in the paddock area. And yeah the tension and things like that but the ending when the main characters are trying to flee from in the control center uh, from the two raptors and then it's like oh, oh they're cornered the two raptors have got them in a circle and they're about to pounce and boom out of nowhere t-rex inside the control center kills one of the raptors and chucks the other one across the room and then they make the escape but it's like okay so let, let me just back up a second here that t-rex snuck into that in the main door like it's not nobody heard it. I always find it astonishing as well because Alan Grant is looking in the direction the T Rex would be coming from. Now you yeah. think he would be getting more and more concerned. He'd be thinking there's an even bigger dinosaur coming. But did he did he know? Yeah. He thought to himself, hmm, maybe if I just wait here, the T Rex will kill the Raptors. You know, I mean, for all he knew, it could have just been an absolute free for all where the dinosaurs would all team up. Yeah, I know some of us have bad days in our regular lives, but you know, could you have had a more stressful day than what Alan Grant had? visiting yeah. Jurassic Park. Yeah, I know. So it was a particularly bad day for him. <laughs> uh, An yeah. even worse day for Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, God. Hold on to your butts. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, he was... Um, he had a kind of smaller part in that. He wasn't in it too long, but I'm totally with you, Steve, what you're saying about, about the ending there. And it's another one of these films, I say it with so many movies, the, the earlier part of the film is so much better than the, la- the latter part. And I think one of the things they did really well in Jurassic Park was similar to Jaws. They um, they gave signs that the in terms of the T Rex that it was there. You know, they just you could hear, you could see the trees moving. You could um, you saw the the water and and the glass shake and uh-huh. just this gradual build up. It was like what Steven Spielberg did in Jaws. With you just kind of saw um, somebody getting dragged under the water and then you saw a fin. It wasn't until like late the second part of the film that you actually saw the shark and there's so much to be said for that kind of idea. Yeah. Well and that's like, it. I mean Jurassic Park basically is one of those films whole- that's up there as you know one of those almost perfect movies. Yeah I, I could say that other than that ending which George Lucas is the person that bloody suggested it to Spielberg because he wasn't going to have the T-Rex reappear but George said no your audience is going to want... That's the main attraction of the film. It's got to reappear. And that was how they did it. Ugh, bloody George Lucas. He always um, makes good decisions, doesn't he? 
Yeah, he really wasn't on fine form then. And because of seeing Jurassic Park and seeing how good Spielberg had used the CG elements of the film, um, that gave George the inspiration to then go and create the prequels. So we're almost to blame. Steven Spielberg can be blamed, I suppose, for the prequel trilogy. But uh, yeah, so that that was a fine watch. I loved it. Dennis Nedry, classic. Uh, we got that in here. Just every line. I could, I can quote back. Uh, you know, yeah. Uh, he's he's such a memorable actor. I know. Who was he? Oh God, what's his name again? He's in. Yeah, I don't know too. if he's always in sort of um, supporting roles. I suppose he must be. He's in Basic Instinct, and My- yeah, he's just even when he doesn't have great lines, he's he's just he's got that that look and that kind of high pitched voice. My dad Wayne Knight's in- the name of the actor. My dad was always annoyed at at uh, the fact that he, because my dad's called Dennis, he was always annoyed that the, the bad guy uh, Jurassic Park was called Dennis. He thought it was, like was besmirched his name. Wayne Knight, that was it. Wayne Knight, there's the actor. Uh, yeah, I love it. It's so good. Uh, I could talk all day. I think we, I'd love to find a way to do a spoiler. Not. I think we might have to do a Steven Spielberg project at some point um, to really go through his films. I would love to do that. Anyway, it's it's going to get to the point. Like we've got to work out how many weeks we have left of our of our lives because, I mean, really, like we could probably use up our entire lifetime. Like we have to start thinking about what time we've got left to actually do all of the movies we're ever going to want to do. It's incredible. I mean, yeah. if you think about like. You know, Star Wars, Jurassic Park, um, you know, uh, the Marvel movies, uh, Nolan movies. You know I mean, there's so many different things that yeah. you're very quickly using up years, aren't you? Yeah. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail, Fran. Do you know, that? that is profound. Yeah, that's it. Uh, so after Jurassic Park, I watched Menace to Society. Has Have you guys seen this film? No, I've never even heard of no. it. No. Uh, it also it came out in 83, I think. Let me just check. Oh, 1993, same, same year as Jurassic Park. So it sounds like a film, it sounds like, the, like say, a DVD you'd pick up in the kind of bargain section. It sounds like that kind of title to me. I don't know why. Yeah, it's kind of got that feel a little. Um, it's a very, um, it's, it's, a, it's a bit kind of hood gangster types um, and essentially... That's a teen kind of film, I suppose, as well. Jada Pinkett's Jada Pinkett is in it. She's obviously not Jada Pinkett Smith at that point. Samuel L. Jackson appears at the beginning. Um, he's not in it for long. I wouldn't say too much about that. It's fine. The it's actually a good film. It's not as good as I would say Boys in the Hood, which I think was a bit better performances with Cuba Gooding Jr. and Ice Cube and things like that. But it's still decent. It's essentially a bit gang. F- fights and things like that in America, but yeah, it's some some great style to the some of the shots. I think that was really cool. But and lastly, I watched oh uh, Guardians of the Galaxy two volume two, which is uh, me and Anna are working our way through the MCU films, and that was the next one. It's one of the lower ranked ones, I would say. It's a bit it's about two hours and twenty minutes, and it probably could have had about half an hour cut, but it's it got better. I could tell she was bored at the start. It is a bit meandering, but visually amazing. And the soundtrack is brilliant. It's all 80s stuff again, like the first one. Have any of you seen the Guardians films? I have, yeah. I mean, I felt the same way. I thought the second one... I, I thought the, the first one was a classic. I mean, really, it was per- it was perfect in a lot of ways. Yeah. 
almost perfect again another one of those another one of those almost perfect movies you're never going to be that's the thing i mean you're how often are you going to have a star wars 10 empire strikes back i mean that, I mean, that that's almost like once a century you're going to get something do you like mean that. do you mean going from a very successful film to an even possibly even more popular sequel uh-huh yeah uh, uh, yeah from a from a great fantastic film to an yeah to, to a film that surpasses the original i mean that is a very difficult thing to do um uh, you know everybody gives uh, return of the jedi a pass we all love it because it's you know still part of the original trilogy but it, it certainly wasn't better than empire you know in most people's opinion it, it, but same with gardens of the galaxy 2 i mean it, it gardens of the galaxy 2 though i think is more of a it's more about placing them for the ensemble movies. Yeah. Yeah, that that's very true. It does feel like it is a big connecting film that's integral if you want to see the entire story, the series of films, and you kinda of, that one sets up the next phase really. But Do you know what's what's amazing actually, right, is that um, Star Trek was ahead of its time in terms of being a franchise because that was an interconnected universe and they made a lot of money at Paramount and CBS over the years out of fans who had to buy all the different things to see them and wanted all the different products and everything was connected together and you kind of had to know everything to know all the story, you know? And I think that it took a very long time for others to realise that. I think that your comic book universe knew that as well. Like your Mar- like your Marvel Comics universe and things like that, and your DC Comics, but uh, when when certainly when Disney got their hands on Marvel and and you know they kind of realised that that you know in order to see in order to you're going to pay for cinema tickets to see films you might not have chosen to because they include plot points that are bigger and that that are integral to the overall narrative, and you're going to be interested in products that are connected to products you're interested in that you might buy. Um, do you know what I mean? I mean, it's it's a genius way of doing things. It really is incredible. I think it's great. I love a shared, a good shared universe, and I really enjoyed some of the Marvel TV shows that were coming out. Um, uh, Jessica Jones was it? Yeah, I love that. I haven't. I've seen a couple of episodes. I thought she was fantastic. Um, yeah. I have to say, now the actress I think that played her also played uh, Jesse's girlfriend in Breaking Bad. I, I remember. Yeah. She's. Yeah. Do you know what I have to say? A real soft spot for her. I mean, she's she's just you know um obviously great actress but also just just extremely good looking as well you know just really but in, in a kind of a i don't know there was something about the way that she played the character in jessica jones she was kind of like haggardly she reminds me of faith from buffy the way she looked yeah it was kind of like you know i, I don't know whether this is i don't know what it is but I think when you're a teenager, when you're younger, you kind of, you know, you you tend to, I don't know, I think there's a cl- almost a cliched way that you, you're attracted to certain things, but certainly as I've got older, I find characters like that, um, obviously she's, she's a good looking woman, but it's also, there's something about the character and the way she was portrayed, this kind of battered, kind of um, uh, worn out by life a little bit, made her compelling. Do you know what I mean? Hmm. Um, uh Particularly because I never really found the actress attractive when she played Jessie's girlfriend. I didn't find her physically attractive. Like, you know, I was aware she was good looking, but when she was in Jessica Jones, I certainly uh, I found that that character added to the way she looked 
the the attraction was. It was really interesting. I find that fascinating. Mm, how an, yeah. an act an actress. Well, we should just say actor because they're all actors. But how an actor can, um, you know, actually it's interesting because you might find a character attractive and the uh, the actor attractive, but then you see them on an interview and you don't find them attractive at all anymore because they're a completely different personality. It's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, it's true. Can the mystery's gone? Um, but yeah, it's coming back to to Guardians. I think the film. It's a fine film, but it's not. It's still in my favourites of the of the Marvel films. It's one of the lower ranked ones for me. Um, I think their humour is a bit. It doesn't work for me. It's that kind of very American style of. It seems like that sort of American sitcom kind of humour that I find. Like every character is a bit stupid. Um, yeah, or they've got wisecracks all the time. Like I do, the reason they did that was because it was because Tony Stark basically was the most popular character and they basically tried to use that formula i think i think he was great i think um robert downey jr i I think he very much inhabited tony stark yeah i think that's very much him like yeah he's given the dialogue but a lot of that is his style that is if you've seen him in interviews he's not too different from tony stark i mean i've got no problem with robert downey jr playing tony stark and making wisecracks i think that's his character and it makes sense but when they started applying it to absolutely everybody it started to piss me off. And again, you started to see it in Star Wars as well, didn't you? With the later films, like this kind of marvelized humor. And it's puerile. It's, well, I, I, to be honest, I, I, I have to disagree on the, the sense that the Marvel characters, I think it's specifically the Guardians humor. Theirs is different from a lot of the other characters. Like, the, it depends what writer you have. James Gunn is the writer, and I, I, I don't find his humor great. I think the humor that the... Um, was it Russo? Who's the the Russo, Russo and the the two that did all the the really the the two Avengers the main Avengers films Infinity War Endgame, Captain America films those ones are nice perfectly blended style of humor where um it's there's humor there but it doesn't dominate the scenes it's like it's a light moments that are interspersed but they seem perfectly perfectly paced perfectly don't take away whereas the guardian stuff is all about it's all so they're comedies they're they're, they're specifically comedies they're comedy they're comic films they're and, and i find it not it's me and Anne the entire time stoic like <laughs> we weren't laughing i think Anne laughed at one moment and i think it was because it was like, baby groot did something that like because it is ridiculously cute um but the yeah i wasn't so i was like well i'm meant to be laughing at all this charming humor but i haven't i haven't cracked a smile once i think you know with it i think when you think when you when you feel that you should be laughing it's harder to laugh yeah yeah you know i mean the funniest things i think the, the funniest things are kind of you know they're subtle incidental or that they're they're part of a plot line the, the, those are the things that really crack me up. I mean, I can't remember if I told you the story about the time I nearly died laughing watching a program. I, like my girlfriend at the time actually was concerned there was something wrong with me because I was laughing so much. It was this episode of uh, Cuckoo or Cuck- I can never really say that, but it was on Cuckoo. BBC. Cuckoo, yeah. Um, and there was a set. Basically, the plot of the entire episode led up to this one particular moment. And it was so funny. I mean, honestly, I still remember this laughing event, like me laughing. I don't really laugh that often, right? This was about four years ago, but I, I honestly, I, I, I was in pain. I could, I was nearly sick. I couldn't stop laughing at this. It was so funny. It was so perfect, you know? 
And That's kind of like me and Steve watching Never Say Never Again at one point. Oh, yeah. That was, that was <laughs> Do you know? Yeah. But that's it. You weren't supposed to be laughing. That's the beauty of yeah, it. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, I'm totally with you in that, Fran, in terms of you saying the bits you're supposed to laugh at are ones you don't find so funny. I, I find that quite a lot. I find that quite a lot in life in general, to be honest. But do, did you know there was once, I'm sure in the 90s, there was some, there was at some stand-up, comedian show there was a guy who died from laughing so much i think it was is it lee hirsch that that bald guy lee someone it was a guy who found him so funny that he actually died jesus god i have to remember that that is a very real risk that could die you know but then again imagine imagine dying in the moment of the purest joy yeah i mean See, when you have a laugh like that, like you guys had with Never Say Never Again, it feels amazing, doesn't it? It feels like you've released something from yourself, like this, almost like all of the tension you've experienced just comes out. It's incredible. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I think the, the most I've laughed, Fran, probably with you is that time we were um, playing <laughs> Super Smash Brothers on the Wii. Uh, do you remember that? Yes, yeah. Well, you, there's no way you'd forget that. Uh, long story short, over at Franz, about 10 years ago now, probably. Um, and on that game, there's the main story mode, and it's got all these mad cutscenes of all the Mario characters. And it's all the Mario characters and every other character they had in the game, which is Pokemon and all the different franchises they're able to have in one game. So they've got this mad story, and they, we, Fran and I, decided to, to make things fun. We would have my iPod plugged in and on shuffle so that we would have the, st- the the story on in the background in the big TV with the music. And it was like, we're going to play Shuffle and we're going to pretend that this is the... A really bad like composer has put this this music, whatever comes out on the Shuffle, with this scene of like the Mario characters. So like I had obviously all this rap and stuff like that. So there was like really ill-judged music for all of these really like massive... Ba- big epic battles or like quieter moments and then there's this stupid uh metal song or something like that it, it, it was so funny it was just the next every time you hit the next song it was that way where the the, the shock of whatever would come on next would get us each time we were actually like uh-huh. that kind of belly laugh you're clutching your stomach like what's what's gonna happen next what's the next song it was hard it was it hard was to really control good. the laughter. I mean, the one that really got me, there was one that got me where like, there was a giant Kirby coming across a cloud or something <laughs> and No Doubt came on and it was this really... It was this, it was this reggae No Doubt song, but it was like this, like an alien invasion was happening and this reggae song was coming on. I picked uh, Kirby, oh yeah. I, I picture like Soundgarden, Black Hole Sun, if you've seen the music video for that. I'm that pretty fun. sure that song came on as part of the playlist. Actually, I, th- I think it might have, yeah. That is one of the ones that definitely came on. I think Korn as well came on at one point, and it was like a proper death metal start to the song. So I, I remember years ago, actually, like I'm talking like back in 2005 or something, when I was down in Norwich the first time, I was sitting with my girlfriend in our room and I had my iPod on, and the telly was on in the background, and it was the adverts. I remember just coincidentally, I happened to switch the song to this extreme metal song, and it was really loud. And the advert was a yogurt advert, and it was like just bits of fruit falling through yogurt. And for some reason, we just happened to glance at the screen, and the combination of this really calm yogurt advert with this extreme thrash metal song, man, we couldn't. We, we were literally clutching each other, you know, howling with laughter. You know, you just couldn't stop. But that's the thing, like. 
I mean, you remember those moments, don't you? Like the moments that you cannot stop laughing are almost legendary because I think the true release of laughter like that is something that happens once every few years. It's not something that happens often in your life, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, 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 mean, I, I remember uh, actually, and the thing is, sometimes you can cause it in other people without realising it. Like I remember telling my uncle a story one time a few years ago, um, a, a story I will never repeat on here, but he, when when I told him that story, I was surprised. Like he he basically lost it and had a complete breakdown of laughter, you know, with what I had told him. Like just the imagining of what I had said, you know. Um, it, it's a fantastic yeah. experience and fantastic to witness. And it's just great. To see yeah. if you have someone in your life that's just got. Sometimes you have one person if you're lucky, or if you're very lucky, more than one person. There's always that at least someone you know is just as a hilariously contagious laugh and just hearing uh-huh. them laugh makes you laugh my grand when my grandpa's used to be like that and you need that in your life don't you yeah and okay, you know um, seeing the office like the proper <laughs> office ricky gervais office you should look yeah. up when david Brent did a presentation about well i don't think he really knew what he was talking about he was just kind of doing what we do in every podcast and just ramble but he was going on about how really kind of put your belly into laughter and he's like doing a sort of pretend laugh holding his stomach go like <laughs> and just get trying to get the audience to respond and oh, yeah you should look that up it's, it's actually it. something to be said for that his um his laughter therapy oh so good i love the office uh, i haven't seen the american one but the, the the i love the british one okay That'll do this week's episode. We're an hour in, uh, so I might have to cut some uh, because the whole point was these went to bite-sized episodes of half an hour max. <laughs> but Can I quite hey, man, we just love talking actually. to each other. Sorry, Gordon. I was going to say, just very briefly, um, because I don't think I've mentioned this one yet, I saw Teen Wolf with Michael J. Fox. I just thought I'd mention that because it's not... I don't think it's a great film and just some of the acting and it's just so bad apart from Michael J. Fox and it's it's just it's the most simple film ever about a boy that turns into a werewolf. Is it, was it before the um, Back to the Future films or was it around the same time? It was the same year as the first Back to the Future. Right, okay. It's alright. It, it's not one I would rush to watch again. Okay, okay. Oh, well then, we'll add that to the kind of recommend list. Um, I'll obviously put all the films we've spoke about in the blurb for anyone who wants to check out some of the things we've spoke about uh, as your recommended films. Um, Yeah, so this is us for this week. We'll be back for the next podcast, probably the next Bond one, uh, which will be Quantum of Solace. We'll see you guys next time. Cheers. Thanks for joining me. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.